The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It sure is. It is uh, 707 Skulls here, ready to go. Alex Luciferro is in the uh, the hot seat tonight. The phone calls still apply, 416 870 6400 is the way you want to reach out right now. Ask your questions, whether it's COVID-19 related, CERB, all that stuff, or if it's just a simple employment question or a severance question. Now, all the same stuff we've been talking about for years still applies, as do your rights. So bring on your phone calls, 416-870-6400. If you prefer one 225 talk that would be toll-free. So there you go, emails. We'll try to get some of those tonight. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for the next little while, covidrights.ca is a, a website you'll want to check out periodically, if not uh, more often, and get some information there as well. Again, uh, 416-870-6400. Get your phone calls lined up here. Bring them on. In the meantime, Alex, you got a couple of week that was issues going on, pal. How are you? Hey, Johnny. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Great to be back uh, live on the air talking employment law, workplace rights, COVID-19, any and all questions that come with it, whether it's uh, severance related or layoffs or workplace safety, you name it. If it has to do with your work, if it has to do with employment law, we cover it all here on this very show. And as you said, John, it's uh, it's obviously a live call-in show. We're here to take your calls, answer any, you know, any and all questions you have. You know, I always say, John, the more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected and prepared you're going to be to deal with any kind of workplace issue that, mm-hmm. that comes up. And, and the same thing actually goes for employers as well. A mistake in letting an employee go or a ch- you know changing an employee's terms of employment unnecessarily, that can cost you dearly, dearly as an employer. So you want to make sure whether you're an employer or an employee, you get advice you, before you act. You get advice before you have to make a big decision when it comes uh, to your workplace. And in employment law, like in any other facet of life, knowledge is power. And, and that's why we're here. We're here to educate and we're here to inform people. So again, feel free to call in. Uh, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. And certainly, if you or anyone you know has lost their job, if you've been let go, whether it's COVID-related or unrelated to COVID-19, that's obviously an extremely serious matter, whether you've been offered a severance package or not, or whatever whatever you're looking at as a terminated employee, you absolutely need to get legal advice in a situation like that. Chances are, if you have been let go, you haven't been offered a proper severance package. So with all of that said, uh, John, let's get started with the week that was. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about a couple of matters that came across my desk this week. And I think I think they illustrate a couple of good lessons and examples for our listeners. So first matter, John, uh, it's actually a matter I resolved uh, just today, only a few weeks uh, of negotiation. And it actually just resolved with, with final paperwork being signed today. Uh, I was assisting an employee in her early 40s who had been let go. Uh, she'd been with the same company for uh, just about eight years. She was let go right at the beginning of, of this pandemic. Of uh, So right about kind of mid-March, she was one of, unfortunately, the first, uh, her job at least was, uh, was one of the first to go in her company. And the company offered her a three-month severance package. So this was an eight 
year employee in her early 40s in a management role and she was only offered about three months of pay. And the reason wow. why she was only offered that amount is because the company was saying, you have an employment contract that limits your severance entitlements. Because you signed this contract with us, uh, we only owe you this much. And so she came to us and said, well, mm -hmm. what do I do here, Alex? I, I, I don't know if what they're saying is true or not. I feel like three months is not enough having been with the company for eight years. So what do I do? And I had a look at her contract, actually, uh, John, and she had signed this contract only about a year ago, and long after she had obviously started work with the company. Again, she was an eight-year employee, and also after she had already been promoted. So it was kind of it was a promotion letter that had this contract tied to it, but it was way after she was promoted. She had been a manager for about two years already, and so what I told her is, you know, listen, if you didn't really receive anything in exchange for signing this contract, is if all you did was sign this contract and keep it moving, sign this contract and keep going with your same terms of employment, then actually that contract is not enforceable. It isn't going to limit you in, mm -hmm. in any kind of way. So we engaged the company and uh, what ended up happening over the course of basically six weeks, really not even six weeks, is that they improved their offer by two and a half times. Wow. So they literally, uh, they literally increased their offer, John, by over $30,000 in the space of a few weeks, all because her employment contract didn't effectively limit her severance entitlements. So it's a good lesson for her, and it's a good example for our listeners out there that you can't just accept a company's offer and accept their word that what they're offering you is appropriate. You absolutely, absolutely have to have a severance package reviewed uh, by an employment lawyer. Uh, and in a case like this, and in lots and lots of other cases out there, John, this isn't some sort of anomaly. This happens day in and day out for us. We increase severance packages by five figures, and most times easily. So again, you don't want to just accept the severance package as an employee. You want to make sure you get it reviewed. Chances are it's way, way less than what you're actually owed, even if there is a contract in play. It's also a good reminder for the employers to get the right employment lawyers to draft uh, rock-solid employment contracts so these things don't actually fall through the cracks, and it is enforceable, right? That's exactly right. From the employer's perspective, you want to make sure that that language in your agreement is enforceable. Termination language in an employment contract has to be very, very carefully uh, written. You can't just... Uh, you know, pick something up off the internet and plug it into your employment contracts. You're asking for trouble in a case like that. And you also want to make sure to, to you know, this, this lady's point, you want to make sure you're introducing those contracts in the right way. In this case, by just introducing it midstream, kind of mid-employment for no particular reason, without offering anything extra in terms of a signing bonus or a, or a raise or a promotion, basically makes the contract meaningless. And so you've spent all of that time and effort mm -hmm. int introducing it, and it's not worth anything because it's not going to be enforceable. So it's a great lesson for all our listeners out there. And a reminder, 416-870-6400, lines are open. You have employment questions about uh, your job severance. Maybe you've been let go. Maybe you're an employer and you're in a bit of a tight spot and not, uh, not sure which way to turn that or anything about COVID-19 and the uh, benefits that are being offered by the government as well. Feel free to call. Ask Alex your questions, 416-870-6400, and we'll continue with your second week that was, I think, right? And we'll get some emails and then severance missed during COVID-19. What else you got, pal? 
Second matter, I wanted to touch on the issue of temporary layoffs, uh, John, because we're still, we, we were receiving lots and lots of questions about temporary layoffs when, when COVID-19 first happened and, and effectively the lockdown uh, mm-hmm. started. We're still getting those kinds of questions, whether temporary layoffs are allowed or not, uh, how long they're supposed to last, and kind of on and on and on and on. So I wanted to set the record straight here. This is not complicated stuff, so I w- really want to kind of definitively answer this question for everyone out there. The first thing I'll say is in the vast majority of cases, temporary layoffs are going to be illegal. It's a significant change to your terms of employment. And what that means is that the employee can refuse that significant change and instead pursue a severance package. Mm -hmm. The only way in which a layoff is going to be legal is if it's written into a, an employment contract, meaning if you sign something, whether it's an offer letter or a contract or an agreement that says that the company is allowed to lay you off, then they'll be allowed to lay you off. Or if it's a previous term of your employment, if you've been uh, if you've been terminated, if you've been laid off rather before, and it's a it's kind of an, a term of your employment already, then of course the company will be able to do it again because it's kind of a it's an implied term is what we call mm-hmm. it. Um, now, if that's not the case, if it's not in your contract or if you haven't been laid off before, you have options as an employee. And the best option actually might be to refuse the layoff, to get a severance package and move on because you don't necessarily want that to become a term of your employment. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of point number one. You don't have to accept a layoff and it actually might be the better choice, the better option to actually refuse it. Right. Now, if you're in a situation where... Uh, the employer is allowed to lay you off, or let's say you just decide you want to accept the layoff for whatever reason, it's also important to know how long these layoffs can last. And again, we're getting lots and lots of questions about, I was put uh, put on a layoff at the beginning of March or in the middle of March. How long could this go on for? I'm getting kind of fed up. And, you know, as strange as, as strange as it sounds to answer that question, it actually depends on whether you have health benefits coverage with your employer. And if so, whether they've kept you on those benefits during the layoff. And so let me let me say it as simply as possible. If you don't have benefits coverage and if your employer doesn't continue any kind of benefits coverage during the layoff, an employer can only allow is only allowed to lay you off for 13 weeks. So 13 weeks is basically three months. If you don't have benefits coverage during that time, 13 weeks is the max. If they do have benefits coverage, if your employer does have benefits coverage and they offer to continue that health benefits coverage during the layoff period while you're accepting the layoff, Mm -hmm. it can then last for as long as 35 weeks which is basically eight months. So if they're continuing benefits, it's not 13 weeks, it's 35 weeks. That's obviously a long time, which is why a lot of times, as I said previously, you don't even want to accept that layoff, right? It's better to get severance than to be you know, put on the bench for eight months yeah. and not have a job. But, it, but you know, the, the point I really want to make about these time periods is that as soon as that time period is up, whether it's 13 weeks or if the company continues your benefits 35 weeks, Literally the day that that period is up, the, your your layoff is going to be considered a termination. And at that point, finally, after all that time, you would still be owed your full severance. So for those employees who have accepted the layoff, and we're already at kind of step number two there, because again, you don't necessarily have to accept it. You can get severance instead. But if you have accepted the layoff, make sure you count your days and your weeks properly. Get a calendar, circle wow. the 13 or the 30 week, 35 week mark, whichever applies to you. Uh, and that's the day that the company's time is up. Make sure you give us a call as soon as that time period is up. These matters don't get any easier the longer that you wait. So you want to act fast. And that's effectively layoffs in a nutshell.
And the 13 and 35 weeks while you're on those, uh, respectively, that clock keeps ticking, adding to the length of your severance, correct? It's ex- adding to the length of your of your period of employment. Yes. Exactly. The length yeah. of your tenure. Absolutely. So nice. you'll be, you know, you'll have an extra three months or an extra eight months in that bank as your period of employment once once you let go. We'll take a short break here. 416-870-6400. You have questions for Alex, bring them on. And we'll also get to severance myths during COVID-19. How about that? That is all in the way. Some of your emails as well. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is indeed your phone calls 416-870-6400 if you prefer 1-888-225-TALK. That is toll free. We'll try to get to some emails later on as well. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But uh, before we get to our topic for the evening, that is severance myths during COVID-19, we'll uh, get uh, get right to Cameron. Hey, Cameron, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. How are you doing? What's up? Oh, I just uh, had a question there. Okay. Um. If somebody's in a union and they get 10% vacation pay and they check every single week, right? Okay. And, and uh, are they still entitled to severance pay if they get their 10% vacation pay and they check every week? You would absolutely, uh, Cameron, if you are let go, be owed severance pay, regardless of how vacation pay is paid to you, whether it's paid on your paycheck every every week or two weeks or whether it's paid at the end of the year or at some point when you take vacation, it doesn't change your severance analysis. Now, in your situation, because you're unionized, your severance is going to be calculated on the basis of your collective agreement. So whatever the collective agreement for the union says, uh, as far as severance goes, is what you're going to get. That's usually your your kind of minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, but you'd want to speak to your union about what that severance calculation uh, might be. That's one of the more difficult areas for union employees, which is a lot of time non-unionized employees will get significantly, significantly more severance than a unionized employee will get. So it's one of the main kind of advantages of actually being non-unionized. You get a much, much better severance package. Unionization comes with with its own perks, right? You have a little bit more job security. You have a union that kind of negotiates on your behalf. But that's, you know, severance is the main area where you actually, you'd actually be better off as a non-unionized employee. I see. Okay. I'm just uh, curious about that anyways. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Cameron, appreciate that. Appreciate you reaching out. Further information, you can get it. Uh, call Alex or Lior, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900. But for the remainder of the show, you want to call the station. It's easier. Get some quick information, 416-870-6400 is the uh, way to do that. Want to send along an email, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime we're not on the air, you can use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, a wealth of information right there for you, including the, uh, the severance pay calculator moving on brother the uh, severance myths during COVID-19 number one you only receive one or maybe two weeks per year spent at the company yeah that's right and and uh, you know something Lior and I have always said through you know throughout these past couple of months and I think it's an important reminder for employees out there John you know our, our employment laws the protections and the rights that employees have when it comes to their employment those haven't changed at all 
you know, because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It's not like employment laws have been suspended. It's not like the analysis is somehow different or we have to take other items into consideration. Severance is still going to be based uh, even if an employee is let go because of COVID-19 or because of a downturn in the economy, severance is still going to be based on age, position, and years of service. The longer an employee has been with the same company, the older they are, and the more seniority they have within that company, the greater the severance package is going to be. And it's going to be way, way more. In almost every single case, if not every single case, uh, John, it's going to be significantly more than one or two weeks per year of service. It might be something closer to a month per year of service and even more than that potentially depending on on your situation. So don't be fooled by employers or by hearsay out there that says, oh, because of the situation, because we're in you know dire straits, we're only going to give you a week per year of service or two weeks per year of service. Nonsense. That's not the way it works. Companies don't get credit for that reason. So make sure, again, Uh, And as I said at the start of the show, if you're looking at a severance package, don't be convinced. Don't sign on the spot. Take those Mm -hmm. papers home with you. Get advice. Give us a call. Chances are your severance package is going to be way more than the one or two weeks per year of service the company is offering. offering. You bet. Uh, Moving on here to another phone call, 416-870-6400 is the way to call in and ask your questions. Abdul, good evening. How are you? Sorry, go ahead, man. You there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. How are you? Good. What's uh, happening? I just, I just I wanted to I wanted ask, to ask you regarding my regarding my uh, uh, He had a job last year in the landscaping uh, company, and he kind of like finished working with them, and then he let that job go, and then he didn't work uh, September, October, November, December, January, February, all the way up till now. But now he wanted me to ask you guys to see if he's entitled to get the CERB uh, payment. Because his friends are all applying and like they didn't even work either, so he he wanted me to ask you guys, and I told him I don't think uh, it's possible, but he just keep asking me and keep uh, wanted to know the answer. Absolutely, and I and I appreciate you asking, Abdul. It's an interesting question. I think the only way your brother would actually qualify is if he's not employed at this point in time because of COVID nineteen. So if he was going to be starting a job, you know, let's say May first or May fifteenth or at some point soon, but he's not starting a job, he's not working because uh, of the pandemic and because of coronavirus, then actually, you know what? He would qualify. So uh, it, it sounds like he would have earned enough. Last Last year to qualify in that respect so you have to earn at least five thousand dollars in 2019 which he probably did if he was working uh, for those months but if it's the case now that he's not going to be working because he because he can't start working because of COVID-19 then he may very well qualify do you know if that's the case or is he going to start working soon regardless uh, the thing is like uh he like he he wasn't even working January February and March but uh, yeah that's okay I don't know. that's okay it, it doesn't know. matter if he wasn't working then what's important okay. is that that uh, if again you have to not be working because of COVID nineteen whether that's being laid off from your current job or not being able to start a future job you would still qualify under that second situation so if that's his uh, th- then he would still qualify if you know if the job starts in July uh, or at some point you know much later in the year. Uh, or if maybe there was no job to go back to, maybe it was a permanent termination last year, then no, he wouldn't qualify. 
right? If he qu- he quit, he like he left the job in last year. Like he quit and he left because he had to go somewhere. Like he had to travel overseas. So it wasn't the it wasn't a temporary layoff for the winter. He actually just quit the job altogether. Yeah, they let him go. Like one of his job let him go because they were slow. They didn't need him. The other job he was working, but he had to leave, go see his family overseas. So he. Uh, he let that job go too. So I told him, like, you can apply, but maybe you'll have to pay back. Yeah, I don't know if applying is is the right option in a case like that. So if he was let go from his job, he would be owed some sort of severance. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, if he was working another job as well and resigned for th- from that job, well, a resignation is a resignation. He doesn't get anything there, and he wouldn't qualify for, for CERB if that's the case. If he was laid off because of the winter season and then was going back to a landscape, landscaping job, uh, you know, come May, come this time of year, but wasn't able to, then he would qualify for CRB. So it sounds like, Abdul, he wouldn't qualify uh, for yeah. CRB in, in that situation. You might want to tell your brother to just look into the issue of severance from that job that he was let go from. Uh, but he might be owed temp- something. It, 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 it was just a, it's just a temporary job. I know he goes there all the time. He works a couple of months and then he leaves and then he doesn't mm-hmm. work there for a year or so and then he goes back. So it's like one of those jobs, you know. But that's what I told him. I just wanted to ask you guys just because yourself knows a lot more. So he wanted me to just ask you. Um, I know some people like uh, they're they're not even like they didn't even work last year. They're applying for it, so I don't know. Like I think a lot of people will probably have to pay back because what exactly. they're doing their taxes next year. It'll probably like you know. Yeah, I there. wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that situation because not only might you have to pay it back if you're not actually owed it, but you might get fined, you might get penalties, and that's a bad, bad situation to be in. You shouldn't be applying if, if you don't qualify. So it's great that you reached out and, and asked and, you know, give your brother that advice, pass that, that message on, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully he can move on to uh, bigger and better things. I will 100%. Thank you so much for all your help, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Abdul. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time. You want to reach out further to Alex or Lior, 1-855-821-5900. And uh, to call here the station tonight, just like that, get some answers like Abdul did, 416-870-6400, talk That is toll-free. Moving on. And it's uh, Monica. Hi, Monica. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. I have a multi-layered question, but I'm going to keep it brief. I was working with a major uh, Canadian airline. I was employed with them from November last year till January, and I left to pursue my career with a different airline who offered me a position. And I was, they weren't able to go, we weren't able to go to the next step um, because of COVID. Um, they're expected to start up in, at the end of June, but I don't know what that's going to look like for me. I'm just shy of the $5,000 mark, um, but I've been doing some private tutoring and making less than $1,000. I guess I would I be considered self-employed. Would I qualify for CERB? Um, how would that look like for me? So just to confirm, uh, uh, Monica, so you, uh, in 2019, so last yes. year, you made less than $5,000? Between November of 2019 and January 2020, I'm just shy of the $5,000 mark. Okay, but what I'm, about what about previously in 2019? What about for the, for the rest of the year, November and student. earlier? I'm a full-time student. Got so, it. So, yeah, so grants, scholarships, um, I don't 
have OSAP, but I have been making it on grant scholarships and a work study. So that doesn't qualify yeah. me for that part of it. Yeah, so I, I think that's your problem right there, which is they, they are, I've heard that they are being very strict with that $5,000 uh, minimum. So if you didn't earn $5,000 in 2019, technically right then and there, regardless of the other issues, you wouldn't qualify for CERB, which, listen, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but that's that's the way the, the government has set the protocol up and, and, and set up the CERB. I do think that, and as I said to, to our previous listener uh, just before you, if you've lost a job opportunity because of uh, COVID-19, then actually for that reason, you would st- still qualify for CERB. So again, if you're not oh, working, okay. if you're not working uh, because of COVID-19, whether that's a current job or a prospective future job, then you yeah. would qualify. But I don't know if that helps you, Monica, because again, you're still stuck at that first hurdle of not having uh, received $5,000 or earned $5,000 in 2019. So, you know, I think you check one box, but don't check another. And, and mm-hmm. that makes your situation quite difficult. Yeah, it is, because I'm just shy of that $5,000 mark. But with respect to um, doing private tu- private tutoring in the meantime, because um, a lot of um, children are off school, so I've been trying to uh, um, just make ends meet that way. Sure. And it's been it's been all right, and I'm at less than $1,000 a month. Yeah, that- which, which means that you would qualify on, on that specific point, yep. Okay, so that was my, because at this point, with some of the money I've made with uh, being a private tutor, that has brought me uh, above the $5,000 mark, just in a different respect. Well, in a different year, which I think matters, right? So the question is specifically, did you earn $5,000 or more in 2019, not in 2020? So again, I think you might... I think you might fail to qualify on that and that hurdle, and that makes it that makes it uh, uh, really tough. And, and I do think it would be quite risky risky to kind of just apply and receive it anyways. Uh, you know that might you might be asking for trouble there. So, you know, it, it's a tough situation. That five thousand uh, dollar mark that the government has imposed is kind of arbitrary. And, and I've, yeah. I've spoken to a lot of people that have that have kind of fallen at that hurdle. It's not necessarily fair. I, I certainly get it, and I I sympathize. But again, that, those are the protocols that the government has put in place. And so, whether I like it or not, my advice has to be that you know that's that's a problem for you. So. Hopefully you can work it out with the tutoring and, and hopefully that job opportunity uh, comes through sooner rather than later with uh, with your employer. And listen, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. You take good care now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Monica. Appreciate your time. If you want to carry on uh, sometime later, have other questions that don't come to mind right now, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to move on down the line to uh, to Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for standing by. Good evening. Oh, good evening. And uh, I just started tuning in now. I just got home. So I'm, my question might be something that's been asked several times on your program. That's so. all right. Go ahead, Daniel. Oh, well, let me just say I'm fortunate. I'm still employed um, full-time, 40 hours a week. So awesome. I'm grateful that I don't have to be relying on any government uh, benefits right now. But my place of work did lay off 25 people. Many of them do qualify for CURB. They made the $5,000 for the 2019 tax year. Um, but what I'm concerned about, and actually what kind of angers me, is that the people that were not laid off, uh, we had a few of them who asked to be laid off, which is illegal for an employer to lay you off in that case. Um, so they took their leave of absences, just, and they pretty much more or less said that it's just so they can collect curb. I have one guy who is still employed right now who, since the 
uh, since Trudeau announced that if you make under $1,000 a month, that you would qualify for a curb top-up, I believe. Is, is that what it's called? That's right. Yep, that's right. Um, so, you, you know, like, I mean, what the government, when the government announced that, it's, an, it's giving people incentive to call in sick, and I'm sure a lot of employers are suffering through that right now. Um, so when somebody asks for to be laid off, but the ROE says leave of absence voluntary, voluntarily, sorry, and they're collecting curb, is that something that they're going to have to be paid back if, if audited? Not necessarily. So if the reason is legitimate, uh, uh, Daniel, right? So if they're unable to work because of COVID-19, because either they have to care for a family member or they're sick themselves, or perhaps their doctor has ordered them to be off work because it's just, you know, maybe too risky for someone with underlying health conditions. I think in a situation like that, it's completely reasonable uh, to, to apply for CERB. Now, obviously, and you pointed out yourself, sure, there are going to be some people, hopefully the small, small minority, who try and take advantage of that and you know somehow want to stay home and, and collect CERB. But uh, number one, I hope that's not happening, but I'm, I'm not naive enough to know that it isn't. It, you know, Some people are going to try and take advantage. I think from an employer's point of view, if I'm putting my employer hat on, uh, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to ask your employees, well, why are you having to take time off work? Why are you having to go on a medical or on some sort of leave of absence? Is it a health condition? If so, can I have a note from your doctor? It's perfectly reasonable for an, oil, for an employer to ask for some sort of proof uh, of an employee's uh, medical situation. They don't need to know every single detail. They need to know kind of a rough prognosis. Uh, or if, again, you're having to care for a family member or if you're sick yourself, it is perfectly reasonable to take time off for those reasons. Okay, so if the employee asks, well, because I, you know, I do have. There was one employee that did say I'd, I'd rather go collect the uh, EI, the curb benefits, whatever. Now, if the employer puts down on their voluntary leave of absence, now if they put something in the comment field on the ROE that the person asked to leave, um, is there any recourse for that? I mean, I mean, by the, recourse, the, what do you mean exactly? I, I mean, if you are. Uh, if you are allowing the employee to take a leave of absence, that's fine. The reality is, listen, whether they qualify the, for the benefit or not, uh, Daniel, whether they apply or not, I don't know if an, as an employer you want to stick your nose in, in in there. What ultimately the employee does on the med on the leave of absence is their problem. If they if they apply and receive it and, and that's illegitimate, that's going to be their problem to to figure out uh, and face. So I wouldn't go that far into an employee's uh, uh, private affairs. If you feel like the reason isn't legitimate, you don't have to approve the leave of absence as an employer. Uh, so maybe that's where you know that that's where the buck stops. If if you as an employer uh, feel like it's a legitimate reason, then by all means go ahead. If you feel the reason is not legitimate, then you want to call the employee out respectfully and professionally, but you want to call the employee out and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not sure this makes sense. You have every, you're, you're, you're able to work, you're capable of working, there are no other issues. It doesn't make sense for you to go on a leave at this point in time. I think that's the way, as an employer, you want to handle a situation like that where you're concerned. Daniel, appreciate the call. Hope uh, you got enough information there. We're going to move on here. 416-870-6400 is the way to call in for you as well. Ryan, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was just calling for my uncle. Um, I was just curious. If somebody is in receipt of CPP and old age security, um, would they qualify to apply for the CERB? It's a good question, uh, uh, Ryan, and, and as far as I can tell 
right now. Again, if you meet all of the other, or if your uncle rather meets all of the other criteria, uh, so you know if they're not working because of COVID nineteen, or they've been laid off, or or they're not able to access a, a future opportunity, if they earn the minimum of five thousand dollars in the previous year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you meet all of those points and check all of those boxes, I don't see why they, your uncle wouldn't. So I think if that's the case, if he meets all of those other criteria, I think he should go ahead uh, and apply. There's nothing, uh, as far as the regulations that I've seen, that stop him from receiving it, either because of, of CPP uh, pension or of severance for that matter. I mean, severance, uh, and this doesn't make sense to me, but from what, from what we can tell, you can receive severance and also the CERB at the same time. And I don't want know why it would be any different for something like a pension plan. Okay, perfect. All right, thanks, uh, thanks, Ryan. We're going to move on there to uh, to our next call. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the uh, the way to go, and I think we'll get down to uh, to Tom. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, good. What's on your mind? Um, calling for my daughter. She is a university student. Um, she made the five thousand dollars last year. Qualified, applied, and got it. Um, now, in the meantime, her employer recently just called her back and offered her her job. As a father, I'm leery to send her back because I know the history of the job, and it's just um, it's cleaning up parking lots and, and uh, dealing with um, a lot of garbage and stuff. Um, worried about the health and safety aspect of it, plus the people that she worked with in the past, um, we're afraid that they're not going to take it serious enough as far as certain protective um, equipment. If she doesn't take it, um, like, is there any recourse for that down the road and having to pay it back? Yeah, good, good question, Tom. I, I mean, I, I would say on the face of it, probably not. Although I am a little concerned, only because I think the right answer would be, you know, if if your daughter is legitimately concerned about her safety uh, due to COVID nineteen, and maybe she's worried about, you know, a, a lack of pra- practice of physical distancing, or of maybe, you know, be- becoming ill uh, at work, or something along those lines that's kind of COVID nineteen related, uh, then I would say you know completely legitimately that she can she can refuse that offer of employment and continue to receive CERB but if it's a situation where she's just you know just not crazy about the job and maybe there are some other non-COVID related concerns, I think that muddies the water uh, a little bit. Uh, And, you know, if she is ever audited in the future, there might be some difficulty there. Now, having said that, I think, you know, and listen, I'm not a tax lawyer and I'm not an accountant, so don't, you know, don't take my my word for it definitively. But but I think all things considered, if, you know, she should continue to receive the CERB, even if she declines the job offer. But we do have to remember that ultimately CERB for there is there for, for employees that are unable to work. And I think if it's, you know, if, if the decision to refuse that offer is completely and kind of patently unreasonable, maybe there's a problem there. So I think you've got to weigh how concerned you are or not. If those current concerns are, you know, really COVID related and legitimate, I think she can, you know, with a clear conscience say no and continue res- to receive CRB. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, uh, Tom. I'm going to move on here. I think we got time to get Paul in there. Anyway, hey, Paul. Good evening. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Paul. Uh, okay, so quick question. My son just turned 18, first uh, part-time job, and he made under the 4800 Oh, sorry, the 5000 
So it was actually about 4,800 and whatever. Anywho, so we've tried everything under the sun. He works for a big uh, Canadian retailer. And um, so he has been put out of a job due to COVID. And we have tried every attempt we can um, because they are not a um, an essential store. So you can't get anybody on the phone. You can't, uh, and if you do get somebody on the phone, the person that you're supposed to speak to doesn't have voicemail and they don't answer the phone. So I cannot get this record of an employment form mm-hmm. for him to um, have any benefits that he might Still got Paul? Yeah. There he is. Yeah, sorry, Paul. We missed that about 10 seconds there. Go ahead. He might what? Uh, so, um, sorry. What I was saying was um, we don't know if um, – I have no way of getting any benefits that he might be eligible for due to this COVID-19. Yeah. So this is what I think your son should do, uh, uh, Paul. Number one, I think I think he should contact Service Canada right away. I know it might be tough to get a whole actual hold of someone, but I do know for a fact that there are people answering calls and answering questions and and speaking with people. So you got to get someone on the line from from Service Canada and tell them exactly what you just told me. So tell them company's not being responsive. This is exactly what happened. Please help. They can temporarily open up a file for you and get that process started, even if they don't have a record of employment yet. They can kind of get the process uh, uh, started, uh, and many, maybe even you can start receiving benefits without the record of employment. So try and get around the employer by contacting Service Canada and hopefully getting through to someone there. You can also, quite frankly, contact the Ministry of Labor and tell them your troubles with the employer. The ministry might very well call the company themselves and give them a, ki- a kick in the rear, and, and hopefully that does the trick. If neither of those options uh, work, Paul, you know what? Give us a call off air. Uh, we can get a hold of the company. We can send them something by way of a letter or, or, or you know, something in terms of an email. And trust me, we can get their attention uh, uh, quite easily. So those are kind of three options that you've got. I'd contact Service Canada first. If you continue to have problems, give us a call at the office and uh, we'll do our best to help you out. Paul, thanks for the call. We're going to have to end it there. Matt Laser and Paul, another Paul. You can uh, call Alex or uh, call Lior anytime now that we're done. one 821 5900 I trust you should. one uh, 821 5900 to reach out. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. You can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for more information and always covidrights.ca as well. We'll catch you again Wednesday night right here on the Employment Law Show. Stick around on point. Alex Pearson continue right here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.